Welcome back to the Great American Movie Review, where we review great American movies. My name is Micaiah. And my name is Kyle. This is a Movie of the Week style podcast, where we take turns picking films, and we talk about their context and quality. This week, I have selected the 2010 Best Picture winner, The Hurt Locker. Hurt Locker follows three soldiers in an Explosive Ordnance Disposal, or EOD, unit over the last month and a half of their tour in 2004 during the Iraq War. Go ahead. All you. What? All me. All you. You want me to read the facts or? Oh, sure. Yeah, why you, not? Let's um, mix it up. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, the film received massive critical acclaim, earning nine Oscar nominations and won six of those. Um, directed by Catherine Bigelow, starring Jeremy Renner, Anthony Mackie. Um, I forget his first name. Garrity is the third of them, of the main the, characters. The third of them. The third of them. He kind of feels like the third guy in the situation. Just scream so. specialist, because they often do. <laughs> yeah, specialist. Um, and yeah, it yeah one best picture. Um, and it wasn't a huge success you know financially it's actually one of the lowest grossing best picture movie um winners as far as like recorded box office goes at the time it was the lowest um in the streaming era there have been some you know that have come in lower than it since then but it still only made 49.26 million at the worldwide box office on a 15 million dollar production budget not a flop but not a hit so yeah and nobody really saw it in theaters i did well on um you know physical media sales and stuff afterwards but and yeah yeah especially especially given winning six oscars and being considered one of the best war movies at the time mm-hmm. oh, uh, yeah, i would say i would say that has something to do with it as well for sure definitely but yeah you picked this movie um for what reason i picked this movie because veterans day is the week That's right. that this comes out but also i wanted to pick a best picture winner that we can agree on that wasn't um, crash that wasn't crash because <laughs> we agreed on crash <laughs> we ag- oh sure that we can agree is good is what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah this is a good move that we can agree is well deserved i'd say <laughs> yes yeah 2009 was the first year that they expanded to 10 categories uh or 10 nominees for best picture and i would and- say um there are a few that i haven't seen but what I would say is there's not a lot that I would put above Hurt Locker no. if I were to. I Same. think I think Best Picture takes into account like the momentum as well as the greatness of it, not necessarily like the better parts of it. I would say Inglorious Bastards, I could see winning above it and I wouldn't be sad. Even so Best Picture is so weirdly put together when it's all said and done i wouldn't have been surprised if avatar had won specifically because of what's going around it i'll just read out this best picture lineup because mm-hmm. it's kind of all over the place it um, is but you got avatar the blind side ugh, um district nine yeah. and education <laughs> and glorious bastards precious based on the novel push, oh, push by Sapphire, by Sapphire. <laughs> which i mean I, okay i'll get around to it but a serious man up up in the air and the Hurt Locker, which won, obviously. And yep. of those, um, you know, like Avatar was a juggernaut and it was undeniable. You know, I don't blame that one. The Blind Side, I don't know what the Blind Side is doing there, honestly. Um, 
but whatever. It just it is what it is. People liked that movie when it came out. District yeah. Nine is great. Not what I would expect to see here, but that's I think a beneficiary of the expanded category. The ten rule, yeah. Yeah. Um, and education is one of the couple I haven't seen here. Um, indie drama. Um, I've heard good things, but I've just not seen it. Inglorious Bastards, obviously, at this point, one of you know Quentin Tarantino's more highly regarded films, and um. I mean, I think it's great. I w- I don't know if I would say it's better or worse than The Hurt Locker, though. I think yeah. they're kind of on a similar level. They are. I haven't seen Precious. Um, Precious is mostly a joke at this point, which is, is kind of sad because it's just the title is ridiculous. Precious based on the novel Push by Sapphire. Like, yeah, you don't I have to include they, that, Lee Daniels. I, I think there were even... I think there were even jokes about like every single one of the movies in in the best picture. It's like the Hurt Locker based on the mo- novel Push by Sapphire. Right. Kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So they just add based on the novel Push by Sapphire. Yeah. Is it just to the title of everything. That was kind of the joke from the time. Yeah. Lee Daniels is always questionable with his naming of stuff. Usually he puts his own name on it, like Lee Daniels the Butler. Yeah. Lee Daniels the Butler. Um. His. Um. Which you would think Lee Daniels would be the butler, but no, Lee Daniels is not the butler. Yeah, his Billy Holiday movie, which came out a couple of years ago, is awful. Um, <laughs> so, but that did get a nomination for the actress, and uh, she deserved that. She's very good in the movie, but it was a terrible movie. Lee Daniels, point, not so yeah. much. Yeah, um, but either way, I haven't seen Precious, so I can't really say anything about it. A Serious Man, the Coen Brothers movie, is fantastic. That one. And then and up, I think are my two favorites of this group. And up in the air is also great. Also, I think a beneficiary of the expanded category. Um, the things that I would say for up, I would say, I I think it deserves the nomination. I I think it deserves the nod. But there are, like I can point to Ratatouille, The Incredibles, and Wally as ones that I think would, I would think would be best picture nominees before this and that's yes. that's due to the 10 rule yeah wally and the dark knight the previous year are cited mostly as the reason for the expanded category because right. movies like that were left out and, Wait, and the dark knight wasn't nominated the dark knight was not nominated for that best is picture. insane to me <laughs> right and it's 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 kind of crazy like thinking about its cultural impact and its acclaim at the year it came out that it wasn't nominated but um it would have been if they had expanded to 10 but oh um, most certainly that's why they expanded to 10 though because also like independent movies have now firmly established themselves at this point in time as like the dominating demographic of films for the academy and so it made means that the movies getting celebrated are the ones that people haven't seen as much so take I think the hurt locker also, for instance right and we bring it all the way back around and yeah back to the hurt locker because nobody really saw it in theaters but nope um yeah no uh general thoughts on this one though um i'd not seen it i'd owned this movie for i don't know several years it's been in my collection but i'm not really drawn to watch war movies that much i just i got it like secondhand somewhere for like five bucks i was like i'll watch it someday and just never did um so i'm glad that you picked it because i once again you're picking you you're good at uh picking things that i've been meaning to watch (laughs) So, uh, this is one of those and it's thank you Makai, as... for sending me the list of things that you haven't seen beforehand <laughs> did i ever do that no you did not <laughs> I, was to say, I, I was giving you credit uh, take the credit and roll with it yeah well i don't know okay i don't know really anything about military i am 
you know, as far as war movies go, you know, I I like the ones more that focus on character more so than the actual war stuff. And this fits Which in with this, that, I think. Yeah, this definitely um, does that. That's right. that's a good way to describe it. It it focuses on character and story above above realism. That's going to be a shocking statement to some people that it is not realistic, but when given it comes the stylistic the action, aspect. Given the stylistic aspect, the the explosions are very realistic given it's plastic explosives instead of like a firebomb kind of yeah. thing. And it's very documentary can... style as well. Yep. It it's also it is also very yeah, I would say documentary or like more of like that kind of gritty shaky cam kind of right i mean it's find. not it's not done like a documentary it's not no. like they're trying to pass it off as a documentary it's more like the type of camera movements um the cinematographer it's not like the office where they pull where they pull specialists aside and they're like i, I don't like the hazing that they do for me it, yeah. it's not like that the, the cinematographer is barry Aykroyd, who works with they are paul greengrass a lot who's known for that kind of docu-style to right. his filmmaking with like United 93, Captain Phillips, um, same cinematographer. So that's his kind of style and stamp yeah. for sure. And, but yeah, no, this is a great movie though. Like as a movie, this oh, is a great movie. Definitely um, well-made. Extremely, extremely well suspenseful, yeah. extremely suspenseful. It is um, this. Okay. We kind of talked about this in untouchables, but um, in the second half of Untouchables, I the sequences are really beautiful, perfect sequences to me. That kind of sidelines some of the other aspects of the storytelling of the movie in favor of the sequences. This movie is just a string of sequences with like basically intermissions between them where they're kind of back at base, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, and those sequences, if they weren't good, this movie would just fall flat. But those sequences are intense and they're tight and yeah, you just really get your palms sweaty watching them. Knees weak, arms are heavy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mom's spaghetti. Yeah. But have you've seen this before, yeah? So, yeah, I did see this in theaters. I was young at the time, but I don't think that I don't think that mattered all that much. I didn't think much of it. I I liked uh, of course when you're when you're young you see things through a different light. The way that I view it then and the way that I view it now are very different. When I viewed it then, it was it was cool and it was gritty, but I didn't think much of it. When I view it now, I view it as it's a little bit weird to me because I like I like a lot of this movie. I really like this movie. Yeah. But I can't help but notice the f flaws in specifically I I don't have a problem with the the military inaccuracies that don't involve the writing. So what I would say there is Staff Sergeant James absolutely should have been like chewed out for everything that he did. And it oh would gosh, it would eventually so build up, and I think of it would eventually have led to an un, a dishonorable discharge. But, well, yeah, especially with the one scene where he leaves base. The one, yes, <laughs> like that in particular. So this is the moment where I'm going to bring up. I asked my our our mutual friend Drew. He is in the military. He is in the army. So I wanted to get his aspect of this because Makaya and I are not in the military, never have been, never seen combat. 
that kind of thing. We wouldn't. I, I, yeah, I never desire to we, be either. We, so. we never. <laughs> yes, we. <laughs> not a lot of people do, but we, we wouldn't know what to think of this. We would see this movie as civilians. So, and that's kind of the way that this movie was shot. So, I wanted to get another aspect of it. And the thing that the thing that Drew says is most of it is good because of the fact that it's it's made for civilians so you gotta take that into account which i think is fair but some of the things just don't make sense like 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 staff sergeant james leaving the base basically hijacking a car to be taken to a house breaking into that house coming back being detained rightfully because he is attempting to enter the base after basically curfew a military curfew you could call it and he gets stopped and his password basically to get back into the base is i was at a whorehouse which is crazy <laughs> because that would not fly anywhere near it and that's that's one thing the other thing i would note is specifically the three men going rogue and trying to figure out the what becomes of the the bombing that had already happened that they are just supposed to analyze as EOD techs. So breaking off and becoming vigilantes with no communication whatsoever to higher ups right. or backup, if they if they get into a scuffle, which they do, there is no backup for them. So which is crazy because why would you not at least check and see if it's okay to do this or if it's okay to at least have backup while you do this. It's crazy that they go off, they get a they specialist uh Eldridge gets shot. Yeah, Eldridge. Eldridge gets shot in the leg by one either James or Sanborn. And then and then everything gets played off as as, as if it's fine. That's that's the main problems that I have with the writing. What I would say is the things like incorrect patches or incorrect uniforms, those are those are okay. Those are nitpicks more than more so than anything else. But yeah. I can't view this movie without bringing up the fact that it gets so many things wrong with this, the strategic aspect of what the military is there to do. Yeah, and if like that sequence where they leave and Eldridge gets shot and everything, like if Eldridge didn't get shot and they made it back and they were like unharmed, but like you know they've you know still had the same emotional arc from that because of you know we can get into that later but if if there weren't like an immediate consequence that they would have to be like oh how did you get shot yeah you know <laughs> that would lead to the reveal of like oh well you shouldn't have done this you're in yes. trouble now like <laughs> he gets shot he gets helicoptered away you know no questions they not asked. have to like fill yeah. a reporter no, question. no questions so which it it even it even sets up in the movie with Guy Pierce's character Thompson getting killed. There is some like back and forth for like the logistics of what would happen. His obviously his his um everything that's left with him, his personal belongings are shipped back and there's that kind of feeling that it's all it's all logistics at that point, which is sad, but it kind of forgets that at the end of the movie. <laughs> So there would be yeah. there would be questions there would be like statements that need to be made based on that. So uh that's all I wanted to bring up yeah. and 
I another thing I wanted to bring up is just the view that veterans have on this movie is not good. And I don't we we don't speak for all veterans. We speak for the people who have spoken out. And they say that this movie is not very realistic. Is all I'll say. Yeah. It it was one of the first movies to depict the Iraq War. And with that, I guess, comes that first out of the gate, maybe not the most accurate kind of situation. Yeah, there's not there's not often a lot of things are still yet to be seen how exactly it went on. But what I will say is this movie was written by a journalist who actually went there and was in Iraq for, I think it was three weeks. So seeing firsthand that kind of thing, it does give you an, an air of like, Oh, so I I know what's going on kind of thing. And that's what I suspect yeah. whether, whether he meant to or not Mark bowl. Um, I, th- I think he felt like a need to write something about this, but I don't think he had all the facts at the time, which yeah. as a journalist, I would want. Cause apparently, yeah, he was going to write a, you know, journalist thing, but then he thought that there was more yeah. to it. So he then pitched it as an, a script or he made a script for it. And then, that got to Catherine Bigelow and she wanted to I suspect it. I suspect the damage that was done is more nuanced than what you expect so if I if I had seen this movie especially pretty young if I had seen this when I was like 18 or something like that wanting to be in the military this would make me want to be an EOD tech so it would, it would make you want to it be it would one? make you want to be an EOD tech I I didn't get that feeling at all some people would so and especially when you're when you're enlisting and when like people ask you oh why do you want to be an eod tech it's it's pretty it's pretty straightforward that i it's more of like the people wanting the thrills than the eod techs that are actually there seeking the thrills if that makes sense so it's the civilians coming in thinking that it's going to be all adrenaline rushes and that kind of thing but i suspect eod Texts in their own way are they're very methodical and it's all about conformity for safety so right when ieds are approached they're not approached just like putting on the suit and going or like taking off the suit and just going it's yeah. it's more so very methodical there's a security there's a perimeter put around the ied safe distance which they go over in this movie not very much but they go over in this movie but and then Every most of the things are handled by robots, so that way we don't yeah. put th- that way they don't put a human in harm's way, kind of thing. Right. And yeah, yeah. This movie is definitely more interested in the psychological effects of war. I don't think it has. I don't. I don't think it presents too much of like a perspective on, um, you know, good or bad. <laughs> like, sure. Was this like there? Because there are plenty of films that are like war is evil, you know, and it's evil that we did these things. And there's plenty of war films that feel like hero worship. And I think this movie does ride the line pretty well between those two things. Um, I think it's definitely, like we said, it's more of a character war movie rather than like a realistic it definitely is. war movie. It definitely is. Because you get these three characters, you get the Jeremy Renner, who's kind of addicted to the adrenaline of it and is, um, he's a little bit of a wild card and a little bit of a cowboy almost, you know, kind of doing his own thing. 
and then you have the Anthony Mackie character who's very by the book, um, very reserved, you know? Well, it said um, he was in intelligence for seven years before he chose EOD. Yeah. So he at least knows how to read people at yeah. the very least. So, yeah. Yeah, and then you have the third one, Eldritch, who's clearly very impressionistic. Like, he kind of sways between the two and kind of like his own perspective. Yeah, he's definitely the greenest um, of the three, but he's already seen right. his fair share. So it's it's yeah. kind of stuck with him. It it feel it felt like to me that Eldridge is kind of in between Sanborn and uh James yeah. when it comes to going down that path. So right. that that's what like I got. he could go either way. Like it felt yeah. like his how that was going whichever way he wasn't going to end up going with that was going to be determined by the events of the movie and that i think turns out to be true yeah every story um, has their grounded character for the audience and i would say eldridge is that character yeah he fits that kind of role here even though it's usually in a movie it's told through that character's eyes and i think this movie very smartly just lets that character be part of it yep. you know part of the trio there rather than trying to make him the protagonist of sorts yeah I wouldn't say I wouldn't say there is a protagonist in this movie. No, Jeremy Renner probably is the closest, yeah. especially since after he's definitely the lead. Yeah, I would say he's the lead, but the protagonist itself might be might be the war itself. I would. Well, yeah, <laughs> the war is the protagonist, or or like, just I the mean, I guess the 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 atmosphere of it, maybe. Right. I guess there's not really like an objective here. It's just the objective of it is really just seemingly to survive because it has like a countdown of like the days until the end of the tour. So it's like, we just got to make it to the end of the tour. It's not like, and that's honestly a common thing with Iraq war stuff in general is that what was the end goal there is kind of like always a big question. Like how long was this going to continue? And what were we going to, what was going to come of it? And in the end, not really much of anything. And I think that this movie being kind of an earlier version of that, depiction of that war, I think that it kind of appropriately manages to um, tell that kind of story of a war that doesn't really have something that it's leading to. Yeah, what I like is the back and forth between Sanborn and, and Eldridge. It's like, how many days do we have left? 23. Well, 22 if we survive today. It's always a, if we survive today, right. we have one less or one right. fewer. I I really like that back and forth. I my, my qualms with characters is mostly with James, but I really like Sanborn and Eldridge in this movie, like yeah. quite a bit. And, and Renner is great. Oh, Renner is phenomenal. Like, like Renner's one of these actors I've always liked Renner but he kind of gets put in these supporting roles or these action hero roles and I think he's good in those roles but I think that there's a lot more when like in this and his other nomination that he got was for the town um where he gets to play kind of also more a wild good character maybe. characters yeah I think that he's really great at playing you know more complex characters than what he's usually given um because I think they kind of for a while, they were like, he's your next leading man. And then everybody was like, he's not quite our leading man kind of guy. But I think he's a really great performer. And I, I love seeing a role like Isn't this. Isn't that partially why a studio didn't pick this up? Because Jeremy Renner was too unknown? I think I read um, that somewhere. I honestly, I don't know. I wouldn't say that's 100% um, true just yet. But I think I read that somewhere. So it would make sense. It's a bit like Bruce Campbell yeah. with, with Darkman. But yeah. And that's that's always a thing that studios look for. They look for selling points, and selling points are typically actors. So yeah, Renner was in like a Dahmer movie before this, which is actually why he, Catherine Bigelow wanted him to 
for this role because he thought he could portray the complexity of this character. Yeah. Um, and uh, like Anthony Mackie had actually been in a few more prominent things like Eight Mile and Million Dollar Baby. Isn't it uh, funny that the the first the first squad is Eldridge Killian and the Falcon, and then the second is Hawkeye and the Falcon? I mean, <laughs> at this point, pointing out that people have been in Marvel in Marvel movies, movies is that's like fair. Pointing out that actors well, exist. they're early Marvel <laughs> movies at least. All of them are. I mean, all of them are either in well, Renner and uh, Guy Pierce are in the first phase, so. It yeah, but it it, yeah. it it does get a little bit more like the more actors that are in MCU movies, it's kind of like a eventually everyone's in an MCU movie. Right. It's like, oh, look at all these actors. They were like all these different Marvel characters. I'm like, well, there's about a hundred thousand people in the Marvel movies. So yeah, what maybe, is it? Oh shoot, what is it? Maybe it's more likely that we don't have more than in, one Marvel actor. In Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, uh he headbutts Superman outsmarts captain america and dates captain marvel so yeah that's true that yeah all that is true yeah circling back where where were we um yeah eldritch plays god of war not god of war gears, <laughs> gears, of, gears war. of war he plays god. <laughs> sorry mess that up same era of gaming on an xbox 360 you know i thought that was neat <laughs> <laughs> yeah very very 2007 man i remember oh 2007 yeah so long ago and yet so yeah. close but yeah i think that the the movie has like some interesting um like i said about its perspective on war and like the perspective of the soldiers within it um like we said there's not like a lot of there's some inaccuracies with the representation of specifically the james character and consequences or which, lack there which for that i'd like to bring up that doesn't necessarily mean quality because i can point to house md and right. like look at gray's anatomy not very realistic at all but well beloved no. but they aren't well right. beloved by doctors no no it's just i think that the reason that people have qualms with it from that perspective is because the movie is presented in such a grounded way yes um and those sequences are wonderful like those are such great sequences OD, and I, that's where that my favorite parts of the movie are in the first half because of those sequences i love them so mm. much yeah and um that's where the movie's storytelling really shines too mm -hmm. is like getting kind of the conflict between mostly um james and sanborn as they kind of disagree on the approach to things um as they get used to each other and working together uh the storytelling is really told though through these sequences the first one um where the movie opens it's just kind of like the movie almost just kind of has a cold open there's no credits at yeah, all it's setting the tone yeah, it just has the one title font or the one title thing for like the um, quote that they use at the beginning. Yeah. And then it goes right into it. And uh, I mean, that's a great sequence already. And that's the one that leads to um, Guy Pierce's character dying. And then they get Jeremy Renner as his replacement as their kind of commander for this. But everything spawns, unit. Yeah, everything spawns from that opening scene. Sanborn is, is yeah. much more by the book after that happening. But also, uh, obviously, uh, Will William James coming into the picture, but also Eldridge feeling responsible for Thompson's death. So everything right, spawns right. from that first that first scene. Yeah, you get a lot of Eldridge's kind of, you know, in immediate just like PTSD to like feeling like he could have saved him, but yep. 
here's Thompson. You know, he's like, dead. Click. He's alive. He's dead. Click. He's alive. That kind of thing. Yeah. It's great. That's where it's like the characters are written very well as characters. Yes. Um, and the exploration of their psychology, I think, is kind of the most interesting and engaging part of the journey of this movie, for sure. Um, I do think that even the James character, like, there are problems with him, I get from like the military perspective um but i'm sure that there are also still people like him within that context too to oh, some there extent are. you know there are it's just they're just you know maybe not going to be as successful within the military as james is allowed to be <laughs> because of going off book and everything so i wonder th this is a small small tangent i'm still staying on topic i wonder if that might be a survivor bias do you know what that is um Yes, vaguely, but explain so, it again. I'll, I'll look it up to get the exact definition, but survivor bias, and it's basically, it might be called survivorship bias. Yeah, survivorship bias. So survivorship bias is like a selection bias. Oh, so the best analogy to give would be a plane as it's flying. So the hypothetical pattern of damage of surviving aircraft, and it's, and it's a gigantic cross-plane uh, plane of a plane that has many bullet holes on its wings, on its tail, and on its fuselage, but in the center of it, not the cockpit. And so the hypothetical pattern of uh, damage of surviving aircraft shows locations where they sustain damage and still return home. If the aircraft was reinforced in the most commonly hit areas, this would be a result of survivorship bias because crucial data from fatally damaged planes was being ignored those hit in the other places that did not survive. So I would say, yes, there are people like Jeremy Renner's character, but it's possible they put themselves in so many situations that they die that we don't talk about the people, or we only talk about the people that survive because they survive kind of thing, right. if that makes sense. So the yeah, people who are sense. more wild card, the people who are more prone to putting themselves in situations of danger often don't return home. And those that do, we talk about them, but we talk about them as a minority. When maybe it's not the case, maybe it is, but we don't know because they didn't return home. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you have anything to add to that. I I just thought it was a, a no, small no, tangent that's, of... No, no, that's, yeah. Um, that's Listen, I'm side. using my philosophy minor for good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. For the forces of good. <laughs> uh, there's... Um... <laughs> there's a couple of times where you do get probably the most recognizable faces in the movie one at the beginning we mentioned guy, guy pierce. pierce and he dies he dies fairly quickly because that's part of the opening sequence and the setup for the movie and then later you get uh ray fine showing up which not the first time he's worked with Catherine bigelow and when he showed up though i was like oh it's ray fine <laughs> all of a sudden and he dies just as suddenly yeah, he as does. he shows up <laughs> um and that kind of I think that's a smart thing to do because I'm thinking about in something like 1917 where you have the most recognizable actors show up as like commanders and yeah, stuff. Yeah, only like in about one two minutes of the movie. Right. Whereas in this, they kind of use it in an opposite way where you get the most recognizable actors to kind of sh like almost be able to surprise you by killing them off <laughs> in the that's way that's true. They but do. they're at the most pivotal points in the movie. Whereas, whereas in 1917, it's very action-oriented when it comes to the pivotal points. But in, in this movie, action is still the pivotal points, but it's based around the character or the actors that you recognize kind of thing. Right, right. By right. the way, I love the, like, I, think... I love the, we have a flat, 
well, can't you can't you fix it? We don't have a tire, or or we 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 have a tire, but we don't have a wrench. How do you how do you waste a wrench? At, that guy threw it at that other guy. It's like you can use bullets, you know. <laughs> we're we're in this part of the world. You can use a bullet by sandbagging. Yeah. I love the dialogue. I, I liked I liked them ragging on each other. The yeah. dialogue is really good in a lot of these situations. Like even even in ways that are like ironically funny, but also kind of dark and kind of speak to some truth. Like I think that there's um during one of the scenes where um, Renner's going to you know defuse a bomb and everything, um, and there's a guy in a car that comes up. Yeah. And he like is he threatens the guy with a gun, tells him to go back, you know, he shoots out his window, even puts the gun up to his head. Which fun fact, that was the only real gun in the movie because they couldn't find a nine millimeter Beretta, but it was a broken gun. So no Alec Baldwin situation. Ah, that's good. (laughs) That that is good. And (laughs) yes, obviously. Uh, But uh, yeah. So but then when that guy finally does back off and then they like pin him on the ground one guy puts his knee to the guy's throat you know it's like um he's like well if he wasn't an insurgent before he is, he now. is now you he's know like, he very says funny as he's walking yeah. towards this yeah and it's like yeah probably yes so, you know yeah. like you get if he yeah like he may well have been within the context of the situation but if he wasn't then especially like, given his demeanor him... yeah but yeah because it was very strange for sure like you know, with protocols and everything, I don't, you know, with military stuff, yeah, it, it would be kind of an intense situation that car comes flying down and then refuses to back up. But also, like, yeah, he, if the person was totally innocent and fine, who knows? Maybe they had, like, a pregnant wife at home who's needed to, who's giving birth or something that was the fastest route i don't know man all he was I doing was driving down the street now he's got a pregnant wife i just oh, no. yeah, i've just i just always think about that stuff like if somebody's flying down the road like that you know and in this situation i don't know i don't know what's happening i don't know this guy's life but yeah no, he's got a pregnant kinda, wife it's a poignant it is a it is a darkly funny yet also very poignant line i think yeah. for like the state of things um, yeah, because they're yeah, they're always dealing with like these IEDs, uh, improvised explosive device. I looked that up. You like that? <laughs> <laughs> and, Brownie points uh, for Micaiah. But, <laughs> but you get different situations though, where uh, you know, like you have the car bomb scene, um, where like it's like the burnt out husk of a car, and he finds the switch you know and everything in there and he's going through the car i love the tension of the windshield wipers come on and it's like a, oh right and then he's like yeah that's strange and then he goes into the hood eldridge says or sanborn says what's he doing now and eldridge is like i don't know he's popping the hood probably checking the oil and then, right and and all he does <laughs> is just unplug the windshield wipers and he's like all right there we yeah. go <laughs> yeah then he finds the switch and then, then he, he keeps it as like a memento. Yeah, he finds the ignition switch. He, it, he calls it a dead man switch. A dead man switch is typically when... I don't know the exact thing for it, but a dead man switch is essentially when a person dies, that bomb will go off because when they're a dead man. But typically there are multiple detonators that you will see on, on bombs like that. And just like the... They call him the man in the suit the man with the the bomb strapped to his chest. Yeah. What they would refer to that as is a proxy bomb. So it's a it's a bomb that's given to somebody else with the intent of them blowing it up or the handler, they call them, the handler blowing them up if they get cold feet, which is terrifying. Yeah. There are multiple and the 
the multiple bombs that James pulls up via thread in a very cool shot. I will grant that. Um, the detonator for that is a nine volt battery with the positive and negative charge on the same or positive and negative on the same side being touched against two wires. That's what blows it up. So it's it's crazy the variety of of bombs and detonators that you can find in that region. That's terrifying right. to me. And that was terrifying yeah, for me as, that, a, as a as a youngin. Yeah, I think that's also really an interesting um, kind of end to like how specifically modern warfare yeah. and modern war movies depict wars. It's very different than like older things. It's like you know, obviously in like World War One, you have like trench warfare, and different wars have different kind of defining qualities and i feel like one of the more defining qualities here is these improvised explosives so i understand why they would like choose to focus on that with a movie like this yeah specifically that's for an insurgency for for typically a poorer country so you'll yeah. you'll find much more and you can see this uh this is going to be topical but man in in years this is going to be gone by the wayside or probably not even but the ukraine war they were strapping like rpg rockets to like rifles to propel them because they didn't have the the rocket or propelled grenade launcher itself so in no. that kind of thing they the when you don't have the money to find official weapons that you can use you make do with what you have so it's that it was that kind of thing right. back in those days yeah it just it feels yeah it's that and that's part of what adds to this and that's genuine yeah too. Is that it's like every bomb that they encounter is like a different puzzle. So it could get old, you know, like having sequence after sequence of like bomb diffusings, but it doesn't because each one is so different and just like there's the horrible one later in the movie when um it's inside the body of a oh, kid. Oh, Beckham? Yeah. Or you think it's Beckham, but it's not. Uh, yeah, it's not Beckham, but yeah, but Jeremy. Renner's yeah, because there's Beckham. Beckham's Beckham. this little kid that hangs out, and they, he sells DVDs. He's, yeah, he sells DVDs to the to the soldiers. Boot bootlegs and stuff. <laughs> he uh, sells Atlantic Rim to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he sells that. That's not going to make sense to people, but Atlantic Rim is a bootleg <laughs> version of Pacific Rim. <laughs> yeah, the the yeah straight to DVD ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> Or uh, if we're talking about the one that you brought up to me earlier uh, from the Nazi overlords that came out the same year as Overlord with a similar plot. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, but it's more so like this is these bootlegs are more like a camera pointed at a screen, which is why he complains that it was shaky. Yeah. Um, because it's literally somebody just recording it on a camera. <laughs> <I'm> like... <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, this kid who he plays soccer with briefly and like, I don't know, it's just a kid though. And there's some amount of innocence, even though the kid's like in this, you know, country that's torn up by war and everything, but he's just trying to make a little money on the side probably for his family but then when he finds this kid that looks a lot like this kid beckham and it's a bomb inside of him then you get the weirdest part of the movie is the scene after that where he leaves and like goes and tries to track down and find out what happened yeah um definitely the strangest part of the movie um it's it's character driven rather than like right what makes sense for the plot or what makes sense in real like in real life yeah kind of thing yeah because, yeah, but he's, like, all messed up about this kid and everything. Yeah. And then, you know, he finds out later the kid's back, you know. 
So he's like, oh, well, it wasn't him, you know, and that kind of shakes him up in a different way again. <laughs> so I took it as he's kind of inherited responsibility for the kid because he he doesn't think about his wife or child them or he thinks about them but he doesn't really do anything about mm. them like he he yeah calls them but then hangs up so you get the sense that he's kind of separated from them mentally but yeah yeah and so he's taken what he believes is ownership of beckham so yeah it's kind of that suppression of of what you really feel about your family yeah there's so Catherine bigelow we haven't talked a lot about so far. We've brought her up a number of times, but specifically she is an action filmmaker and um, it's kind of an interesting thing because one of the main things in her movies is this idea of masculinity. That's one of the the biggest themes that I've seen in her films and um, specifically other films she's directed are like point break. (laughs) Um, And one of my favorite, I think my very favorite, no, no, no. The old, okay, the I was about to say. <laughs> with, with Keanu with and Keanu Patrick, and Patrick Swayze. Swayze. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, so basically, you can credit her for the entire Fast and Furious franchise. Fair enough. <laughs> no, no, no. I credit Vin Diesel for that. I assume the, the franchise was made the second he was born. Have you seen Point Break? I have not. Have you seen the original Fast and Furious? I have not. It's a complete ripoff of Point Break. <laughs> <laughs> like, completely. It just stops at, like, the halfway point of Point Break, whereas Point Break actually continues and has, like, resolution. <laughs> Fast and Furious just doesn't. And Maybe that's why they have spawns 10 the franchise. of them. <laughs> right, exactly, they though. Never, they got to keep they going. They never learned to stop it. Right, so... Wait, um, 10 yeah, and that's, a spinoff. I mean, Sorry. Yeah, there's always big machismo. And then, like, uh, her movie Strange Days is probably my absolute favorite of hers, for sure. And she's, like, she's one of the best action directors out there. She just is. I don't think I've seen another uh, movie from her. Yeah, not all of her movies are, oh, like, Zero Dark Thirty absolute winners. Yeah, Zero Dark Thirty, which came out after yeah. this. Uh, this movie kind of shifted her focus, I think, to more grounded, realistic stories. Well, that had to have been Mark Ball. I I think. I, I don't yeah. suspect that she would have made Mar- Zero Dark Thirty if he didn't write that one as well. No, she made stuff like K-19, you know, uh, which is, you know, a military movie of sorts. But, yeah, nothing quite like this until this. But, um, yeah, and it's I think that her exploration of masculinity within this movie is super fascinating as well with both the Renner character and his own, like, detachment from his family, you know, um, the his wife who's no longer his wife but still kind of his wife and he's very defensive of her if anybody tries to say anything even though technically they're divorced <laughs> um and you get the anthony mackie character too who's like i don't want to you know it's like i'm not ready for to have a kid and the one person i'm interested in always wants to talk about kids but it's just like this deep repression like there's a lot of repression in this movie and kind of the facade of masculinity and machismo and it's interesting to get that from somebody like bigelow and i think that that's a i there's you know some female directors are better at telling masculine stories and some male directors are better at telling i wouldn't do a blanket statement like that but well some sure like i like just like sometimes i think that sometimes uh films tend to skew towards male perspectives over history just because history skews towards male perspectives and the types of people who end up you know being able to make films and stuff it's it's biased it always has been Catherine Bigelow is the first female director to ever win best 
director at the Academy Awards and was only the fourth ever to be nominated. Since then, there have been a couple more winners with Chloe Zhao for Nomadland and um, Jane Campion for Power of the Dog just within the last few years, as well as Emerald Fennell uh, and Greta Gerwig getting nominations in the last few years as well. But it's just like a historically, like, it's interesting to me that the first you know, movie directed by a woman is so masculine in its presentation um, as a military movie. But once again, it's par for the course for Bigelow's filmography. But you get somebody like Alfonso Cuaron who has like motherhood as like a theme in so many of his films. And so I just, I like seeing these themes as they translate and evolve over time from these filmmakers. And yeah, Bigelow brings her like, great action sensibilities to this war drama and that that's part of what makes these sequences so tense and so great is just her very good and solid understanding of that plus you know the masculinity angle within the soldiers and the characters is um something that really draws me into what this movie's going for with the psychology of it I don't really have anything to add to that, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, do you have any other primary thoughts on the movie overall? Um, let's see. Do you want to go over what Drew says about it? Yeah, we can go over what Drew says. If you've got it on hand. Um... Yeah, so Drew says he wanted to call out the Tabasco. Yeah, so, um, and and I can explain that more thoroughly. So, in an MRE, a meal ready to eat, which is the rations that are given to soldiers, there are specific things like I can recall stories of like M&Ms because M&Ms, it takes a while for them to expire. Soldiers will just hold on to them for special occasions. Tabasco specifically because it's a flavor. They'll hold on to it specifically and it's behind his name, his name patch. And that's mm. kind of a cool little detail. Yeah see um he he also pointed out that if he wasn't an insurgent he sure as hell is now yeah. uh line as as like a specific mentions, yeah, yeah a special concern when it comes to like stabilizing and destabilizing the the region at the time more so than more so than like a comedy line it's more so a a, a poke or a, a nod to what was going on at the time yeah he mentions a couple of scenes that he likes. He likes the artillery, the image of William James surrounded by the artillery. Or I can't say artillery. Artillery rounds. rounds. There you go. You just said it. <laughs> I, I assume. I assume he's talking about like what ends up being the poster for this. Yeah. Movie. So him him um, pulling up the bombs like all at once, like to unearth yeah. every single one of the mm -hmm. bombs. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great image for sure. Definitely a reason they used it. It's like a tonal climax to the scene. Like he thinks he's diffused yeah. the thing that is going is going to kill him, but then he sees another wire, and that wire leads to another wire, and that wire he he pulls up, and he sees everything that can kill him around him. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. So, I, uh, I'll I'll bring up this one. So this one is the the insurgent that plants all of those bombs in the trunk of the car gets gets shot by a through and through which means it didn't hit anything vital it didn't hit like bone and then fragment off to hit anything vital so he's he's losing blood but if we 
if we apply pressure and then if we continue like giving aid to this man, he will eventually live. And Colonel Reed, I think is his name, the colonel says he's not going to make it. And he says, no, but 15 minutes from, from now, we could have like an ambulance and that kind of thing. And he says, he's not going to make it. And so it pulls away. Drew's problem with that is it, once he says he's not going to make it, that's that's already him stating, yeah, we're just going to let him die. You don't have to like put the gunshot of of somebody like actively killing him into the into the scene. Right. You can leave it o- more open ended than that. And I think I think too. So I'll bring up. Do you know? You probably don't know the story. It's uh in the early to late mid nineties. It was definitely in the nineties. There was the North Los Angeles shootout, like bank shootout. Do you know about that? No. So it was two guys, two bank robbers who had done several jobs in the past. They were armed to the teeth. They had body armor everywhere. They had multiple uh, fully automatic rifles. They had a shotgun. They had multiple pistols. They had thousands of rounds of ammunition on them. They, it was a bank robbery gone bad. Immediately when they went into the bank, a police officer sees them, notifies backup, and basically gets the bank surrounded almost instantaneously. When they come out, they start firing. They fire thousands of rounds at police officers, wounding, I think, a dozen, killing none of them somehow, thankfully. But so thousands of rounds are spewing. And they are getting hit multiple times within minutes. So they are getting hit so many times. Eventually, one of them is is shot dead, I think, 20 minutes into it. About 40 minutes into it, the other one is incapacitated, but asking for help. And the police are not giving it to him because he just tried to kill their brethren. So, And a doctor tries to go onto the scene to help him, the assailant. And he's barred from doing that from police officers under the obviously they don't know all the facts they don't know how many shooters there are that kind of thing there were only two but at the time obviously they wouldn't know how many there are or maybe it's the guise of you're not allowed to help this man this is an active crime scene but you're not allowed to help this man because he just tried to kill us so he 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 bled out on the street that day instead of you know receiving help so it's kind of that thing yeah, no, that's interesting. It's, it's just kind of uh, one of those things where if somebody's trying to kill you, um, obviously you're you don't want to help them, even though you can, right? And yeah, you probably and should. Yeah, not great because like do no harm, you know, is yeah, it's making a doctor not be able to oh yeah treat somebody is yeah a big no. It's yeah, <laughs> no it's it's sure. also it's also one of those things of are you really better than the person that you're trying to fight if you won't at least do something a little bit better than them kind of thing yeah so yeah it's it's just one of those things yeah then uh the next thing drew comments on is uh the conversation where um so james goes down to get his gloves when they were setting off charges which those things are a dime a dozen you're issued multiple pairs of those in the military so i think it, he just right. i think he just had the death wish and i think he just thought it was cool for him to like right, right before like, the second detonation to, to just go down and get your gloves after they might have been fried that, from the first yeah. detonation <laughs> yeah i was like that's a little yeah. odd but okay um but either way the point of it i guess is to be to have that conversation where um 
Mackie's character picks up the detonator and and he and he picks up and the he's like it's amazing like, he 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 just died there we'd have to do some paperwork obviously yeah. but like and eldridge says are you sure and he's like yeah and and he says no are you sure about killing him that kind of thing yeah which drew brings up that um the conversation is reminiscent of fragging in vietnam with similar situation where soldiers under a leader were not confident in their ability to keep the group safe and would ensure accidents, in quotes, happened so they would be taken away and another hopefully safer person would replace them. Yeah, so compared to the Iraq War in Afghanistan, Vietnam was the Wild West when it came to soldiers' freedom to do whatever they want. Obviously, that kind of... That kind of spilled over. There were there were incidents. Abu Ghraib prison in uh, in the Middle East is one I would point to the atrocities that happened there at the hands of U.S. soldiers. But I don't think it happened nearly on the scale that occurred, even like World War II or or Vietnam or Korea would be ones that I point to. And it was mostly because of a lack of like I will call it paperwork, but a lack of accountability is what I'll say. Yeah. Yeah, um, then he brings up Iraq Most Wanted Playing Cards. I don't know what that so is. So that, that's an interesting one. So the deck of cards were was created by the U.S., I think an intelligence agency, specifically so that soldiers who were playing cards, like just on a table, would see the faces of the important members of Saddam Hussein's government and the party and the revolutionary party. So that they would get an understanding of, if you see this person, that's one of the deck of cards. Which is a fascinating thought experiment, huh. if you think about that it. That is. Because, and obviously Saddam Hussein was the ace of spades. So it kind of like goes down from there. Like, I, th I think the aces were like his sons as well. So that's an interesting little like memento or like interesting little like fact in history to note is there were... It's it's like a mind game for for soldiers, and that that's kind of the. So I can't remember the exact cards, but I think it was like the Jack of Clubs that uh, Ray Fiennes' group captured, and so they were talking about like how how much they were worth and that kind of thing, and that was real. So contractors and mercenaries were hunting down the the cards. So yeah. it's just an interesting tidbit in history. I like that. I like bringing it up, but I also I I find it fascinating, just that entire subject. Yeah, no, I I I love it when filmmakers include details like that that are yeah. completely inconsequential to the movie, but just like little nods to people who know. Yeah, this movie. Okay, it the whole film feels very authentic. Yeah. we I cannot speak to the authenticity of it because I don't know what it's pulling from enough. But in terms of its presentation, everything feels very authentic, which makes it, when it doesn't feel authentic, a little bit jarring yeah. um, at times. I think that's kind of where that comes into play a little bit, too, because there's so much attention to detail with stuff like that, that sometimes, yeah, it, it gets a little, when it gets a little off, you feel it more. So Drew brings up uh, the, he questions that they're SAS. I think they're more subcontractors, but they could be SAS because they're all British, but Oh, the SAS is basically the uh, British Armed Forces Special Forces. So think of them as Navy SEALs, but for yeah. but for the British. So the I'm I'm gonna 
say Ray finds his group. I'm just going to call them that because that's all I know of them as. So yeah. Ray finds his group mm-hmm. has a Barrett 50 cal, which is a specific type of sniper rifle for a specific type of purpose. And they have ammo for it, but somehow Eldridge is the one to get it. And somehow Sanborn and James are the ones to operate it. The thing I'll say about this, again, not in the military, but what I do know is there is a specific sniper school where you train for weeks to specifically be able to snipe at range. Otherwise, you are basically useless. It's a bit like airplane. Like, imagine the pilots of... Yeah, imagine the pilots of an airplane being incapacitated and therefore you have to land the plane. It's more it's actually easier to do that than to snipe at range because of the fact that there's an oh, autopilot. Yeah. <laughs> but also yeah, well, yeah. If, if I went to try to pick up a golf club and yeah. go on a professional course not knowing how to play golf, it's a bit I would like that. Get nowhere near anywhere what I'm trying to hit, you know. And so I imagine it's similar with sniping. <laughs> yeah, from a my, my thing is they get they get some of the dialogue correct, which is weird to me. I th- I think they might have had a military consultant on set who like told them this is kind of what they'd say, this is kind of what they do if, if they were sniping. Obviously mm. there is a sniper and there is a spotter. And there's dialogue between the both of them. Not probably not that much, but um uh, something else I'll note is when Ray finds dies i have absolutely no idea why the other members of the group didn't pick up the sniper rifle because obviously if they have a 50 cal they are going to be either trained with it or more trained with it than eod techs so that's all i'll say um yeah i mean otherwise it's a great sequence once again like the actual scene itself is great and like the just the suspense of just waiting almost is kind of waiting because you know if you know if you leave cover there's going to be a sniper that picks you off or there's going to be something and so you're Mm -hmm. waiting theoretically they were probably waiting for hours but they didn't have to wait for hours because it's the desert every every minute's gonna feel like an eternity there yeah the drink of capri sun you know yep (laughs) but yeah no that scene is one of the it's another great sequence in the movie even it's one of my favorite there's some logic flaws yeah but um yeah and so yeah drew mentions um he says he really does like this movie and feels like it's a great addition to all of the military movies made during the war on terror one war on terror the yeah the speak yeah the wars on war on terror the greater wars on terror so iraq greater wars on i i assume i assume that's that's what he he meant there he can he can let us know in the comment section come on drew yeah feed us to the algorithm give us some give us some feedback (laughs) yes comment true comment uh I, he said, I appreciate that it's not just rah, 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 America great. And yep, is he used that verbatim. To show actual flaws and show a real range of emotions. Really kind of wish they didn't have the last scene of him going to new deployment. But I, uh, uh, but also I can see the character doing that since he's looking for the thrill of defusing bombs. So yeah, the thrill-seeking element of that. The addiction element is something that Bigelow does a few times in some of her movies. I mentioned Strange Days before where the drug in there is real human experience. And I think that this movie kind of follows with that to some extent. The thing I'll say for that is, yeah, it makes sense for his character to not feel, not feel the way he feels, or he's basically like in Shawshank Redemption, he's been institutionalized. So he, once he gets back to the air quotes, real world of everyday life, he just doesn't feel like he belongs there. 
So he just can't yeah. wait to go back into the field. Right. So I, yeah, character wise, I'm okay with that, but it's, yeah, it's kind of, uh, just fulfilling the character and that's, that's about it. Yeah. I do appreciate though. Like Drew says though, that this movie's not hero worship for no. sure. It shows that I think that there are heroic acts and heroic people within war and within the military, but war itself is in no way heroic. Yeah. And I think that this movie kind of gets that pretty well. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that, yeah, we can get into scoring now, I think, if you're ready for that. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, we've been going for like an hour, so <laughs> may as well. Oh, yeah, it has been an hour. Okay. Um, so scoring in this podcast, it's very casual. All the categories are very vague. We go from zero to two, zero being poor, one being good, two being great. We do that in um, in a way to, to force ourselves to come to a conclusion that can't be vague or that can be vague rather so uh let's yeah. start with writing writing so if you want to if you want to do this we can we can debate amongst ourselves and then i can bring up drew's score in this yeah yeah here we'll do it each category so you will debate amongst ourselves and you throw in drew's number for it too. yeah um so with writing, okay, so I've gotten in the habit of just writing out my scores for every category before the movie. However, with this one, I left writing blank because I wasn't quite sure how to approach it. But so I was wondering more what you were thinking about. So that. yeah, most of the most of the military nitpicks that I find, I don't I don't think concern the writing. I think it concerns the the impact of the realism, kind of, and and how yeah. everyone thinks this is one of the most realistic things in 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 war movies but i don't think it is i don't think it's the worst i don't think it's near the worst i don't think it's the best it might be kind of middle of the pack when it comes to realism in war movies yeah so i mean this won a writing oscar for best original it did and i have to take that into account because there are some scenes that are rough at best i would say yeah closer to the end definitely but I don't know if I would quite give it the Oscar over some other things, but I don't know everything that went into the actual writing of it, like how much was written in the sequences themselves and all of that. Um, because there are some great original screenplays that you, we mentioned in Glorious Bastards. Yeah. I think Up was nominated for original screenplay too. Was it really? Um, it might have been. I don't oh, remember I, for I, sure. Let me, I've got the uh, yeah, best original screenplay. Up, Up, yep. A Serious Man, What You Haven't Seen uh i have seen a serious seen. man um, i love a serious man yeah so among the ones that were nominated of those four that we've mentioned it's last place for me even though i still think i would it's say overall well written i would i would say i haven't seen a serious man or the messenger but i would still say that inglorious bastards probably deserves it over this when it comes to screenplay no doubt in my mind um yeah i i think inglorious just bastards has one of the best written screenplays that yeah. i've seen but i i wouldn't say up is better and if you say would you say a serious man is better than the hurt locker when it comes yes, to screenplay? but also i have a bias because the coen brothers are my favorite filmmakers oh, sure. and i just vibe with their writing so i would say that um so it yeah it it's really just a matter of i don't think it's the best in that group no. as far as writing goes but it's a very distinct writing style that would that focuses yeah. on realism and also gives, you know, the acting, the, the characters, you know, a good follow through 
the question is, is this a one? Like, do we think that this is just good or do we think that this is great? Like it's deserving of its nomination. So even, even good, even a good screenplay for, for us, I think could be worthy of a nomination, maybe not worthy of a win. Yeah. So I'm leaning more towards a one because of all the faults that I can, that I can name compared to the, the movies that we've given twos in the past. I I do really love some of the dialogue and some of the scenes in this movie, but I can't really say that writing in it in and of itself is its best foot forward. I think the specificities are where the screenplay is the strongest. I think the broad strokes, it kind of misses in a few spots. Yeah. The themes, it doesn't, it it plays on, it plays on some themes, doesn't really flesh out much of it or it doesn't flesh it out to its entirety, to its natural conclusion. I would say yeah. with Eldridge with and, Jeremy Renner's character. Yeah. And this is a very director heavy it movie. Is. Like so the screenplay does kind of take a back seat because I, I don't know how much of those sequences are written out, you know, uh, to compare yeah. to what's I would have to go through the script, but yeah, I don't really want to because what I know of Mark yeah. Ball's movies, I I don't really like the way that he writes. <laughs> I hate I hate it when journalists write movies because it's it's all so weird. Ugh. Yeah. Obviously, that's a blanket statement. Journalists can write great movies. I'm, I'm immediately retracting my statement. I'm recanting. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so what did Drew say? Drew, Drew called it a two. Let me tell you exactly what he said about it. I'm, I'm just going to do verbatim what he said. He said, I really did enjoy the writing and the flow of everything. Some stuff does, didn't work, didn't make a lot of sense. Running off base to try and dish out vigilante justice seemed seemed a bit out of character and definitely out of place especially the throwaway lines for why he doesn't get crucified by leaving the base by himself overall still some great writing yeah a strong one is what i'll say this yeah is. a strong one not quite a two is what i'd call it yeah i think that's for fair for the sake of what yeah yeah and also we don't all have right. to listen Second to category Drew. we don't have to listen to Drew at all. <laughs> we are choosing to give him uh, a platform actually, do not bite the hand that feeds not. you drew <laughs> um okay let's see world building is our next category as usual and um i think that one of the things that this movie does so well is create an incredibly convincing environment um they filmed it in jordan which neighbors iraq right Um, apparently it was so safe though they didn't need any security (laughs) so an interesting fact i don't i don't think i brought it up but uh so they they chose jordan yes because basically everywhere in the region is is unsafe for american filmmakers but also they were one of the few filmmakers to actually make it to jordan because big studios would never go to jordan because of how unsafe oh, it yeah. is so the mm. i i'll list the smoke bomb that jeremy renner throws on the ground at the first scene did i tell you did i say this already no okay. I didn't. so the smoke bomb that jeremy renner throws at his feet and pisses off sanborn that is an actual smoke bomb from the Jordanian army, which oh, really? is crazy because they warned him or they warned the filmmakers that he could get burned on the pen. And Jeremy Renner was just like, nah, I can do it. And so everyone, everyone was just like, yeah, all right, let's, let's let him do it. But he absolutely had no idea how to work one of those things. <laughs> so oh, so yeah. he was just kind of, he was just kind of like, Play, playing it off as something that he could do but he couldn't do i th- I think it's just interesting yeah. that everything surrounding like the world building yeah uh no continue with your point if i cut you off 
Yeah, no, no, no. Um, I just, I think that they really did a great job at creating the environment that this exists in, um, making it feel like, you know, almost footage that you would have seen on TV, you know, brought to even greater reality because you are closer to it mm -hmm. with like the movie makes you feel closer to it. Um, and I think it's really backed up by the filmmaking too, but yeah, just everything to do with the sets and the filmmaking to con make a uh, convey this reality. That's where the movie feels so authentic. And I think that that's, you know, just a really talented group of people. I would give world building a two. Yeah. The, so the only thing I'll add to that, I do think it feels very real. But I think for me, I have to put some of the blame on the falter, the, the faulting of the, uh, the realism doesn't work. I guess I have mm. to put that on the world building. And yeah, because I can't really put it on anything else that I see here. I see what you're saying. So I think because if like the military, the structural stuff mm -hmm. that doesn't make sense, maybe that does fall into the world building. Yeah, because yeah. And, and also how, how obviously the characters and that kind of thing, but the way that military characters play with the military, like, like conform to the military, the way it's done here, I think is not great. So, and I think I want to put that on the world building rather than characters, because obviously this okay. is a character driven story. So yeah, the world building in and of itself uh, kind of has that, that issue. So I'll, yeah, I'll say what Drew thinks Another, uh, yeah, for this sure. one. He says, I feel like a lot of the world world building was already done by just having it set in early 2000s Iraq. Overall, it's just a small slice of the pie, but does a decent job at building the team. Okay. Yeah, I think it's another strong one then. You've convinced me that it's not quite a two because of some of those flaws in some of the areas. Yeah, I'd say, um, I'd say if it went for realism while keeping the the greatness of the world the feel of the world building it had i'd say that would be a two yeah because if you're if you're if you're if the selling point of this movie is it's realistic and it's not very realistic i think i think that's a flaw that we yeah, can that we can saying. attribute to it yeah all right characters is the next category characters is the next category which i think when it comes to the writing aspects of this movie i think the characters is the strongest Yes, um, I think that it, you really just have your three main characters and then some supporting other characters. But those three main characters are really well fleshed out for what they're going for in the movie. Um, and it gives you the time with those characters for sure. And like, I do like the intermittent camaraderie slash conflict in between the battles that they get to to kind of flesh them out even more. And that progression as the movie goes on, I think is really good. Yeah. They're, they're becoming a team over the course of the movie, and then it immediately breaks up. Very, yeah, very so suddenly. Characters. Well, kind of yeah. kind of suddenly. All, all due to Jeremy Renner. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, so yeah, characters are two then? Um, yes. Well, for me. Um, I'll, for me as well. Drew says, I feel like they don't really flesh them out a lot for a movie mainly about three people where everyone else is basically a throwaway character. You don't get to learn much about them. It still is enough to understand kind of who they are and how they ought to act, but nothing amazing. I would kind of agree with that, but only because I think that the arcs aren't fully fleshed out. Right. I actually originally wrote down one for characters, but through talking about the movie, I kind of bumped it up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, because... Yeah. Uh, 
as I, as I said before, I think with the writing aspect of it, I think I think the reason that we love the writing so much is because of the characters, not necessarily because of the plot or because of the the world building in it right. in and of itself. I think I agree. Yeah, because like I said, the stories within those sequences and the story it's all really character driven. Those characters, yep. yeah, it's all and all the action. It's character driven. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Directing is an easy. Directing two. is a very easy two. Very easy too. Catherine Bigelow is one of the best action directors of all time, and here is like the height of all of her abilities that she's learned over a career focused in on these extremely intense sequences, and it's ex- it's extraordinary. Like the the film, like the filmmaking, the directing in this is extraordinary. So yeah, uh, the the things I'll add to that is fifteen million dollar budget, and it made it look like well over a hundred million dollar oh, budget, which is insane yeah. to me. Might have been might have been actually a benefit because it was in Jordan. Obviously, everything's going to be less expensive there. Right. You have to ship everything, of course. That's probably where most of the and they had to ship all of yeah. the guns there. The, obviously, the vehicles yeah. and stuff they were already there, and, but all of the props had to be shipped there. So, and that's got to be some crazy, crazy pricing, especially given the, the circumstances at the time. But yeah. Yeah. Making it look like that is, is kind of insane. Kind of insane. Yeah, for sure. Also, I always point to some of the actors performances being at the, at the feet of the directors, or maybe it's like the stage direction or the, the screen direction. Be- the director's first job usually is to get good performances out of your actors, right. get the performances that you want to get out of your actors. So sometimes performances, yes, the actors are responsible for their own performances, but the directors are the ones who are in charge of getting what the performance they want out of the actors. <laughs> so she and she clearly does a great job with that. So when I told when I told Drew, oh, easy to, when I told Drew what to consider when when talking about directing i said good performances across the board plus good choices overall for filmmaking so obviously the buck stops there with the director so he said Mm -hmm. she actually got final cut on this too which is rare how so i I thought directors usually get final cut no usually the studio has final cut well it's an independent studio no right but like I don't know the specifics here, but it's not the directors have to have some sort of sway or clout to be able to get final cut on their films because that's not always the I case. wonder who had final cut on Overlord since it's bad robots so it's JJ Abrams movie first and foremost but Julius uh Avery was the director. I wonder yeah, I'd have to I don't, I'd have I don't to look that up. Final cut I'd, that. I'd have to yeah, look it up. That would be an interesting thing to but, know. Yeah. I I see what you're saying, but I think that's more so for big studios now who gets final cut whether the studio gets final cut or not um it really kind of depends that's oh, sure that's it's a murky area and who gets that but usually the director doesn't get that unless they have specific sway or yeah cut. for context actors can also get final cut yeah. which is crazy because uh for the love of the game <laughs> sam raimi lost final cut to kevin costner that makes sense for that. Yes, movie. it does. <laughs> doesn't explain. Doesn't it explain quite a bit? Uh, it does. It does. Having watched that movie now this year, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, uh, circling back, uh, Drew says, love the directing and the direction the movie went. Not much to say. I haven't already said uh, for visuals and wiring. I feel like the direction really helped draw all these in a uh, together effectively 
Mm, yeah. I would agree. Yeah, for sure. He gave it a yep. two. Yep. We already talked about the acting quite yeah. a bit. Um, and I think that we've kind of established that we think it's a two here. Yeah, I think so. I, I don't think I think it's, I don't think there's yeah. very many like scenes that I wouldn't say aren't well acted, especially given that right. these aren't at the time these weren't sta- staples of like acting. Like Jeremy Renner was pretty unknown, Anthony Mackie fairly yeah. unknown, and the guy who plays Eldridge, yeah. uh, his first name is Brian, I think. Yeah, Brian. Garrity? G- Garriger? I know the last name's Garrity. Oh, Garrity, you're right. I don't I don't know the first name. Yeah, Brian Garrity. Uh, Brian Garrity, okay. Uh, Ray, Ray Fiennes does phenomenal, <laughs> as always, in the five minutes that he is in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Guy Pierce does the... really well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Guy Pierce as well. Um, yeah, I would say it's a yeah. two. Yeah, I think it's a two. Um, once again, it's not like... Like Renner got an Academy Award nomination, and he's really given the most with performance-wise. Yeah. You know, in the movie for sure. There's a reason nobody else got nominated here, but it's not because they're bad. It's just it has a little bit of that military ensemble feel. But sometimes that can be not the best, yeah, um, as far as acting goes. But here, it's all really strong. Which I think I'll note: real life doesn't always make sense when it comes to what people say. So if yeah, I I right. think I think oddly enough. Now that I'm thinking about it, what the what the characters say and how the characters feel, probably a little bit realistic, but doesn't. It, looking back on it, probably isn't realistic. So, but mm. I I don't think that's a good or a bad thing when it comes to filmmaking because real life doesn't often make sense. So, filmmaking yeah. writing doesn't always have to make sense. It's better, I think, generally for filmmaking to make sense or for writing to make sense for filmmaking to be better. So, right. Um, but yeah, I, I still think I still like the performances of the big three. Everyone who is supporting the, their characters may not be as fleshed out or as good, but the actors performing them is good. So yeah, the, it's, it's all very convincing for the setting and the environment. And sure. Drew says pretty good. Every actor individually is great, but nothing super amazing. One. Mm. I think I think the actors bring a lot of nuance that little, to the characters. Mm, so. Oh, Drew. No, I just how dare you. <laughs> I just I just think that the performances honestly might even be a little stronger than the characters on the page. I think that there's a lot to what's going on with them, and I think the performers bring a lot out of that. So I think it's all relative when it comes to that. So it's it's yeah, like uh true. it depends on what Drew's seen and it depends on what I've seen, and it depends on what you have yeah. seen, what what can what is considered great acting, because acting for the most part is subjective. So Yeah, for sure. Um let's see, visuals is our next category. Yep. Um, this kind of really comes down to how you feel about the doc style because a lot of people don't really like that. I hate style. the shaky cam in this. I can like you shaky do? cam, but I do not. I dislike the shaky cam in this. Like I can point to the the first scene with the robot is going down the path, and the shaky cam. Obviously, the robot is shaking as it's going across the rocks, but the the camera is also shaking as if it's like attached to another robot filming it. That I do not like. If you're showing something that's shaky, do not shake the camera as if it were a part of it when it's focused on it, not a part of it, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I think I wrote down in my notes, I think that this is actually a really effective use of handheld cam. And I agree for the most part. Um, I'm just pointing to the things that don't make sense to me yeah. when it comes to shaky cam. 
Mm. Yeah, it did get a cinematography nomination. I think that's it has like I, I've already mentioned Barry Aykroyd. This is his style. So some people criticize it in Paul Greengrass movies too, like Captain Phillips, like United ninety three, um, and it is present here though too. Yeah, it's definitely like the camera's always shifting and moving to some extent, but. Um, I I think that the I think the visual style of this movie works extremely well for grounding it in the reality that they're building within the world. That might be why I was kind of leaning towards a two with world building. Might be because I think the visual elements are so great. So this is going to be <laughs> this is going to be purely based on me. The reason I give it a two is because of the explosions. Quite frankly, <laughs> quite frankly. Honestly, quite, though, they're quite, great. Quite like... frankly, that first explosion. So when a plastic explosive explodes, it creates a high-pressure shockwave. What that shockwave does is when it impacts a closed container, it expands the container and pops it. So the reason that Guy Pierce's character died is because of that shockwave, not necessarily because of fragmentation from or shrapnel from the rocks right. or, the, or the bomb itself. So... I the way that they I don't know the exact way that they showed they they did that to make it happen, but I suspect it was a high pressure burst of like air to shoot up all those rocks and make it seem like there was a shockwave, which is yeah. so cool because it looks so good. So that and also the shot of before uh, Jeremy Renner's character goes down to pick up his gloves. That shot of them detonating and you see the shockwave and everything like that. You see the cloud and it's all like one one nice, neat little composition of a shot. I like that. That That's the kind yeah. of stuff that I like. So, yeah, but everything everything looks realistic for civilians, I would say. So, yeah, they, they went out of their way to get that grounded look to it and even with the explosions they intentionally stayed away from like gasoline style explosions because they didn't want the big red plume because that's not realistic for how most explosions are especially in war settings right. so yeah i think i for me personally it's two so if that's how you get to a two then i accept <laughs> <laughs> no i think i think most of the cinematography is well done i just don't like those few shots of shaky cam that are just awkwardly mm shot like that um yeah i can't really i can't really point to anything else visually that's bad so yeah uh drew says lots of strike he, he says a paragraph on this so lots of striking visuals and scenes to draw emotions from the audience i appreciate how we have a war movie about bombs that does not use a lot of gore and instead sticks to a tamer visual definitely some iconic scenes especially the first bomb the new team disarms with him pulling the wires to reveal a circle of artillery rounds Absolutely love the shooting style and the use of different shooting techniques to help draw the scene. A handheld shot when he is having the breakdown in the shower or the shaky cam after the taxi drives through the perimeter to add tension to the scene. Two. Yeah. All right. So we're all in agreement. Yes. Way to go, Drew. You, we can credit you with that. <laughs> Although, again, uh, <laughs> we do not have to listen to Drew. It is clear. It is very much up to our discretion. <laughs> Way to go, Drew. Having a correct opinion for once. <laughs> something, right, something, editing. broken clock, something, something, twice a day. <laughs> 
editing um actually so we've brought up Ramy a lot on this show but the editors are uh bob murowski and chris innes who both started on uh working on um the original evil dead and have both continued to work with sam Raimi throughout his career mm -hmm. so it's actually it's actually interesting seeing that kind of we we now have we now have a repeat uh editors don't we editors yeah, yeah we have repeat editors <laughs> on the show <laughs> i actually i don't i think one of them worked on darkman oh, okay but so we uh, have repeat editor yeah because <laughs> but I, I think that bob murowski's done more than chris innes overall yeah. Uh, but yeah, they both worked on this and they both started at the same place. So it's kind of interesting to see that trajectory for him. Um, this movie won an Oscar for best mm -hmm. editing. I think that it's a terrifically edited film, especially those sequences. Um, for sure. I think that there's somewhere in, you know, the two thirds of the way through the movie, kind of when he leaves and does the thing, I think that's more of a writing thing that kind of affects the pacing a little bit. There. Yeah. Um, cause I think all of the rest of it is done impeccably um and I, I wouldn't chalk that up to an editing thing for the pacing being a little no. off. so for me it's a pretty easy two for editing so yeah i think the only movie that i would consider to have better film editing in this year would be inglorious bastards but i can't really fault them this movie for that i mean inglorious bastards is a great movie on its own so mm. i yeah, I agree with everything that you said. I th I think the editing is very very well done when it comes to this movie. Pacing yep. pacing is good. Um, the way the movie looks, well, like you you spoke to color correction being a post production kind of color, thing. Yeah, color grading is part of editing. Yeah, for sure. and it's it's very brown. <laughs> yeah, but they they once again they capture yeah. it well. You know, like the whole thing. Like there's a consistency yeah. to it for sure. I I would say I would um, say it's a two based on what we've given twos and based on what we've given ones before. Yeah. So, war films, good war films, yeah. tend to have very strong editing, both visually and our next category, sound. Oh well, wait, hold up, sound, hold up. You can bring okay. up your thoughts. <laughs> he he actually said not a really big buff into editing and post production, but overall I enjoyed it and uh, a lot of it made sense. Don't feel like I could add enough to the conversation with this so i'd concur with what y'all have to say so that's him bowing down and uh letting us take the uh take the lead on this one so yes lick our boots <laughs> <laughs> all right sound um it won two oscars for sound for sound mixing and sound editing war films tend to do that because like i just said they kind of have to if the sound is wrong in a war movie the whole movie feels mm -hmm. off um it's a pretty easy two here yeah it it definitely won the two oscars that needs to for sound and i like the tense nature of the score yes very, this is very much. a repeat this is a repeat um composer again with marco Baltone. which that's not surprising because composers get around <laughs> so right <laughs> they get around um i i would say i would say agree i don't think there's anything any qualms that I have that would lower this to a one. Yep. And it was nominated for original score yeah. as well. And it's, it's not just Marco Beltrami in this one. He also worked with Buck Sanders, just figured I'd give credit to. Um, so now our genre category. Whoa, whoa, this wait, is hold up. Oh, I just because he bad dad to us for one round doesn't mean he doesn't get a say. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Drew said, really appreciated the lack of a, the lack of a score. And I'll kind of, 
elaborate on that because he didn't in parts there there is definitely a score but for war movies oftentimes the score will take a backseat to action and to the feel of the scene itself rather than the score itself just blaring the whole time um he said really appreciated the lack of a score and how there wasn't much music present in the movie it made the times that music were used so much more impactful also, the use of sound or lack thereof to create tension in situations was done well. He gave it a 1.5, which I even told him we don't do, we don't do partial value. So that's that's him. <laughs> yeah, he's never allowed back on. He he broke the rules. But yeah. I would say, I would say because a 1.5 doesn't equal a two, what he says is a one. But I still think we go two. Yeah. All right, so yeah, genre category. Um, this is definitely a war movie. It's a pretty easy one. <laughs> um, and how would you define this here for genre? Like in terms of not defining the genre because we know it's war, but like so if how if well, what would you say? It's it's interesting because I haven't seen many films on the Iraq or Afghanistan wars, but I have seen quite a few war movies, and I think this is pretty middle of the pack when it comes to execution of what war is. I don't think I don't think it plays it's it's definitely a different style of war movie but I still think it's middle of the pack when it comes to the ones that I have seen like lone I keep talking about lone survivor when I put uh when I bring up Iraq or Afghanistan war movies but I think it's because it does war pretty well in that movie mm-hmm. compared to a zero dark 30 or this movie and those are just the ones that I can name off the top of my head. I've definitely seen more movies like that, but I think it's just middle of the pack. I think a one is fair to give it. Um, yeah, I don't really like Lone Survivor as a movie very no, much. But um, I think the war in in that movie is done well. I don't think I don't think the writing yeah. is that great, but mostly because it's trying to be as realistic as possible. Like I said, realism yeah. realism isn't always like the best writing life is not Um, life would not get an academy award nomination (laughs) for writing i think taking into yeah i think taking into account the criticisms against this movie in particular i i i'm with you on the one i think its presentation is immaculate but i think that its accuracy hurts it in terms of that just because there was such a controversy around and that's why i think i can't give it sean connery (laughs) controversy controversy yeah no i i don't think i can give this a zero because it's it's got insurmountable criticism from veterans and people who've seen combat but i can't give it a zero because of the fact that it it portrays itself in a particular kind of way so i think just good is is fine for for this movie for war what does drew say about it drew says i feel like this movie has a special impact for military movies especially considering when it was released plus it opens the opportunity to have conversations about lots of things that don't uh but doesn't address them directly he gave it a two I think that what drew is saying there about genre applies more to impact which Mm -hmm. i do think is a two yep um this is a pretty so easy impact, last... yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that both... Okay, it won Best yep. Picture, but we've had a Best Picture that we rated as a one before. But I think what pushes this over is, one, I do think it had a major impact on the type of war movies that we would see coming later. Two, um, 
it's no small thing for it's the you know with Catherine Bigelow's historic Oscar win for that you know it really kind of did break an industry standard up to that sure. point which you could say oh man there had been a few female directors nominated before but the industry standard was that um men are <laughs> directors and not just directors but this is a very masculine movie directed by a woman and it kind of broke some standards in some interesting ways i think um and i think opened that door finally um at least in a public way that so yeah there's just there's a lot of stuff with this movie but it's definitely a. I would say it more so pulled off the band-aid yeah it just it just finally did yes it. it got the band-aid and allowed that to you know move forward finally so yeah um yeah um but yeah there's there's so much you could talk about with impact with this movie that it's not really i'm not gonna say it's even like it's not quite a three if we were to have a three kind of like we've said before but it's it's a pretty easy two a three would be like Jurassic Park, or a the Godfather. Would be yeah, a, the Godfather. Citizen Kane, yeah. Metropolis. Yeah. Citizen Kane, Metropolis. Yeah, Casablanca. Yeah. yeah. Birth of a Nation. Wait, <laughs> it would be, but unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> no, it would still just be a two. I yeah. I couldn't give it a three for impact. Yeah. It had a negative impact. So, well, <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Yeah. So that puts us at seventeen. <laughs> okay, here's what Drew said about. All right. Uh, Without a doubt, I believe that this movie had a large cultural impact and holds a special place in history, too. Yep, for sure. I think that, yeah, it's a pretty easy two. Uh, which yeah. puts our final score at 17 out of 20, which it, it's nice to feel like something that we both are, like, really on board on board with, you know? I think the last one... Especially after a few, <laughs> a few 11 out of 20s and yeah. Friday the 13th getting a 3 out of 20. <laughs> and, yeah. and Crash. I think the last one we were both like... And Crash. ...really high on was um, Texas Chainsaw with 16 out of 20. So this yeah. one being 17 out of 20, it's it's kind of refreshing to like watch something really great. Even though I will say, even among some of those other movies that we watched, this is not my favorite. And this is where the scoring is no. very subjective to our show and not the individuals because there are movies that we've watched that we've given lower scores much lower scores that I definitely like more than this one. This is not one of my, my all-time favorites or anything like that, but it's undeniable in its craftsmanship, and it's a very well-made film, and it is a great film. So uh, you could say a great American movie, even. <laughs> I said the thing. I said the thing. Well, did you want to look at what some other people thought about this? Some yes, one-star and five-star <laughs> reviews? In our new in our new, <laughs> our segment, new segment, which will not have it will not have intro music, but I really wish I could come up with some right now. Bum, bum, ba, da, da, terrible reviews with Bakai and Kyle. There I'm gonna go. cut that out and use that before every single section. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, so this is. I'll start with a couple of five star reviews. I I go to the Amazon DVD reviews because <laughs> that's where you get the broadest range of opinions I've found, but. Um, this is a five-star review where the, I'm just going to read the title of it because he goes into a whole long thing about it, but he said, point of the movie was unclear until the end. Five stars. <laughs> I think the point of the movie was, was the most clear in the first half. <laughs> yeah. Like I have like, 
if that if it hit you at the end finally great but like it's kind of weird like going through the whole movie and being like what am i watching and then just like at the end you're like oh five stars is what that feels like (laughs) to me um and then another another five star review no wonder best picture award at least third time i've watched it since it was released what can be said about perfection uh now to the one star reviews um had to stop couldn't watch this anymore i'm a fan of black hawk down saving private ryan etc great war movies this is so unrealistic and filled with supposed to be funny one-liners i could have made it through the movie if it wasn't shot so horribly the camera bounces constantly to make it seem like the cameraman is running or filming secretly from afar horrible movie so yeah, pretty extreme negative. Yeah. There. Um I would say just looking at cinematography and dialogue doesn't really like tell you everything about a yeah, movie. Yeah, it but, also backs up but, though that stylistically with like the docu style, it's not for everybody. You yeah. know, and I think this person might hate it a little bit too much, but uh I find the office the office's use of that a little bit cringy sometimes, but yeah, I see the I see the innovative nature that the office pulled off with the docu-style tv series yeah. so you, you can't den- you can't deny it was pretty innovative right. when it comes to comedy sitcoms so. for sure yeah um and this last one star review is this is just plain stupid great fiction not a damn thing in this movie is real like a train wreck can't turn away um, I would not call this movie that at all. Like this person's like this movie's embarrassingly bad. Almost, so yeah. I, I don't know what like how you walk away from this movie with that opinion. But hey, all respect to you. Whatever your feelings are on it, good for you. I do think it's funny though. And if your feelings are wrong, good for yeah. You. <laughs> and if your feelings are um, publicly stated on an online site, we can make fun. Then of I you. will make fun of you for it. So, yeah, exactly. um, two people. Uh, I didn't find anything funnier than that. So, <laughs> two people found this helpful. Apparently, so <laughs> um, it's his. It's his two burner accounts. Yeah, yeah, but that's it's his split personality. <laughs> his his split personalities found it helpful. Yeah that's funny all right well that does it for the conversation on the hurt locker i will note that drew's score obviously he didn't say anything about editing so i took that away he said it was a 14.5 out of 18 Mm. okay so 7.5 out of 9 okay cool pretty close to our score yeah yeah similar um yeah what are we talking about next week makai next week all right we've been kind of We've been doing a lot of horror films lately, and then you decided, because of the holiday coinciding with this release, that you do another heavier film in this situation. Um, So I was like, I got to lighten things up. And also, we've been leaning a little masculine lately with the type of movies we've been talking about. So I'm going to be bringing up one of my favorite movies to watch in the fall. It takes place throughout the course of the year but i consider it more of a fall movie in of our first rom-com the show is when harry met sally okay uh, i have seen that movie yeah when was the last time you watched it oh good lord <laughs> it's been a while then <laughs> probably a decade and a half ago i don't know 
yeah it's i i mean there's a reason that it is still referenced to this day in romantic comedy trailers <laughs> yeah it's got billy cristal billy cristal and directed by rob reiner so um yeah i'm excited to go over that it's been a couple years since i've watched it um but i do circle back to it pretty regularly i i quite enjoy that movie so um different tone for us and a little bit cozier for the fall season now so um yeah that'll do it for us for this week on the show uh, we have new episodes every single thursday as well as non-spoiler reviews for new release movies i'll be putting one out on five nights at freddy's sometime I should cut that out because that review will come up before this episode. <laughs> but either way, um, I'll put a timestamp. Yeah. Either way. Um, Thank you for giving me more work to do. Either way. Uh, thanks for joining us for this discussion on the Hurt Locker. Join us next week for when Harry met Sally and we'll see two completely same. similar <laughs> yes, movies. Very similar. We're all over the place on this show, but that's okay. What a great outro. This is. <laughs> we'll see you at the movies. I'm leaving all of it. <laughs> all right, bye.